Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. The last few days, I, I want to preach to you about how the Lord Jesus touched and changed the most um, unlikely cities. One of the last things that he did before he, you know, he was, it was, he was headed toward Jerusalem, uh, just days before the, the triumphal entry and the Last Supper and his betrayal and his crucifixion, the last city passed through on the way into Jerusalem was a city by the name of Jericho. Jericho is, has, was, has history. And I want to talk to you about Jericho this morning and about one of the miracles and one of the many touched in Jericho. But Jericho was um, an unusual city. It was, the, it was the first city the children of Israel um, contacted when they came into the promised land. It was, it was at Jericho where, where Rahab the harlot lived, where the two spies went in and, and the, she, you know, put the red, the scarlet rope out of the, out of the, out of the, um, the window. And she actually became an heir of Christ. Christ came to the seat of Rahab, who was one of the woman living in, in, um, in, in, in Jer- Jericho. You know the story of Jericho, how they, they came across the uh, supernatural power of God, split the, the Jordan River, and they came and they marched around Jericho for seven days, once a day for seven day, days, and after the seventh day, they marched around Jericho seven times on the seventh day, and they began to shout, shout to the Lord, shout for the Lord has given you the city, and as they began to shout, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. I was reading about that miracle, and you know, people always try to come up with it so happens that Jericho happens to be on a fault line. What do you think probably happened? The timing's incredible, huh? Those walls came falling down. Well, Jericho was cursed. The, the Joshua proclaimed a curse over it, and they were told it never to rebuild that city. But people, you know, how many people know that, that humans rarely listen to what the Lord says? So Jericho was rebuilt over the years. In the time of Christ, it was one of the most prosperous cities in the region, incredibly prosperous. It was a, a, a hub, an industrial hub, where they're buying and selling in a center of sending and receiving of goods. And Jesus came through Jericho, and, and um, he touched two people in that city that, in, as he went through that city that absolutely turned the city on its ear. One of them was blind Bartimaeus, and the other one was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. These two were the opposite ends. So this is, you know, our God sits in the heavens and laughs. Two exactly opposite people. If you pick the poorest and the most hopeless man in Jericho, it was Bartimaeus. A blind man, had no way of supporting himself, no income, no way of he- getting a healing, and he was outside, he was in, in Jericho as a beggar, living off of people's alms. And the other man that was on the opposite extreme was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was called the chief tax collector. It was believed that he was, it was the only time that phrase chief tax collector was used in the New Testament. And it's believed that Zacchaeus was, in, was, resp- was the chief tax collector in charge of all the other tax collectors, possibly in the whole land of Israel, the most likely to be the wealthiest man in Jericho the most hated man in Jericho because he worked, he took money from the Jews and worked for the Romans. He was despised. People despised him because of his success. They despised him because of his, his 
political connections. They despised him because of his political corruption. They despised him because he was using them and making a fortune off of their poverty. He was hated. And so the Lord selected, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick the, the two opposite extremes, and I'm going to turn Jerusalem, Jericho on its ear. So we're going to look at um, the second one. We're going to look at Zacchaeus this morning. It says um, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man, Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the count of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He's a short little rich Jewish guy. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. The Lord sits in the heavens and laughs. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw, that, saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So I want us to make a couple of observations this morning from this story. What an incredible story that Luke included in, um, it's the only, the only gospel that this miracle or this testimony is recorded. Um, and I, I was sitting there thinking about it, you know, verse number two, it talks about Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was rich, so he's politically connected. You know, sometimes, often our own successes and our own prosperity are the very things that blind us. Zacchaeus was physically blind and spiritually blind as well until Christ, the light of the glory of Christ shone into the heart and eyes of, of, of Bartimaeus. Zacchaeus was physically seeing. He could see everything, but, and he thought he, was, he thought he was cool. He thought he had it all together. But things began to unravel in his life, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But his success and his prosperity had blinded him. You know, and, and what happens, what causes these successes and prosperity to blind us is we begin to take credit for our own accomplishments. We begin to think that the reason I am where I am today is strictly because I am somebody and I'm more talented than everybody else. You know, that was the sin that I committed the first 16 years of my ministry. I thought that I was something, that I had a, a knack about doing things that I knew better than everyone else, and that I was successful because of myself, until I came to face to face with the realization that God had done everything. I had just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and the hand of God was on my life. You know, I had to, I was, I was a borderline about to, to commit the sin of Nebuchadnezzar, thinking that everything that I had came from myself and not from God. Thankfully, I didn't have to eat grass for five years or how many years it was. But so, we, you know, we start taking credit for our own accomplishments. And the second thing that we do is we start to feel a security and a, and a, and a protection in our own prosperity. 
It's our own prosperity that we think is protecting us when we, we don't realize as a, as, a, as, a, as a poor man knows they're vulnerable. A rich man thinks he's protected, thinks he can take care of his stuff. He can protect himself with his finances and with his resources. Until trouble that he can't handle candle comes knocking at his door. And it knocks on every man's door. There's trouble that success, political connections, and big bank accounts cannot handle. There's trouble that's bigger than all your problems. And that's when oftentimes people that are, are connected politically or are successful financially come right into the wall and recognize that there are problems that are way bigger than man that need the help of God. And that's probably where Zacchaeus came to. We look at verse 3 and 4, and we can see hints of this. It says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. This obviously, you know, for, for most of his life, knowing about Jesus was insignificant and unimportant. This was, a, was an, an itinerant, poor preacher, son of a carpenter from Nazareth. What does he have to tell me? Obviously, something had happened in Zacchaeus' life. People, rich people, don't go climbing trees unless their life is in danger. Unless a tsunami's coming, they don't climb trees. I promise you. There's no way on earth you could have given that man money enough to climb up in that tree and his pride and and pomp and all of that. He, He would never in a million years climb up a tree until his world came crashing down, until a tsunami came and crashed on his head. No one knows what it was, whether it was his wife or whether it was his kids or whether it was business dealings or or threats from the Romans. Who knows what was going on in his life? But his life was crashing down, and he wanted to hear about Jesus. So he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the count of the crowd, he could not because he was a short little Jewish guy. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. Can you imagine? God sat in the heavens and left. He ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to so to see him, for he was about to pass by. And I was, I was thinking about this. Troubles can do a couple of things in your life. It can either cause anger and depression, or they can produce humility and spiritual hunger. That's what troubles can do. Thankfully, for Zacchaeus, rather than getting angry and hardening his heart or getting depressed and feeling sorry for himself, he allowed this trying, the trying of his face to produce humility in his life, recognizing I can't handle my stuff. I can't handle my problems. I need help. I need God's help. I need God's intervention. I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. He allowed it to produce humility and a spiritual hunger in your life. Maybe you're going through trouble. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe you've been afflicted. Maybe you've lost finances. Maybe you've got marriage trouble or or financial trouble or health problems. Is it making you angry and depressed? Or is it making you humble and hungry for more of God? We have to humble ourselves. Oh God, I don't understand what's going on in my life, but I think I'm going to climb up this tree so I can see you. I'm going to climb up this tree. What is climbing up the tree? It means, it means putting yourself in a position to see Jesus, whatever it takes. 
Get, put yourself in a position. It means go sit on the front row in every service. It means get in, the every, in every prayer line that comes down the path. It means to worship God. Turn off the secular stuff and put on the heavenly stuff in your house. It means to get in the word of God and seek Christ. Climb up that tree and maybe you'll catch a glimpse of him coming down the roads. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves and we get hungry for God. And I love this. I would love, this is one of the things, I wish I had a, I wish I had a, a video of this scene. When Jesus came walking up to the sycamore tree and looked up, what do you think was on the face of Jesus when he looked up? <laughs> he couldn't stop laughing. He was laughing his head off. The richest, most foul, greedy, angry man in Jericho, in all of his clothes, his pompous clothes, dressed like Solomon in his glory, was up that tree. And Jesus came walking up and looked up at the tree. And he just could, he laughed and laughed and laughed and looked at this guy. Tears of joy running down his face. And this is what he said. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, how did he know what his name was? <laughs> <laughs> Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I'm going to stay at your, he's going to come spend the night. He's going to come have food and hang out at Zacchaeus' house. <laughs> the Lord knows you. He knows you and he's orchestrated the events in your life for a divine encounter. He knew Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus was born and orchestrated his life for a divine encounter. The Lord had, he had blessed, he had blessed Zacchaeus even in all of his filth and his lying and his stealing for this particular purpose in his life because God had a plan to use Zacchaeus to touch that city. See, our success and our prosperity is not about us. If you happen to be blessed with success and prosperity in this life, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him and about the glory of God and the advancing of his kingdom. It's about his testimony of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Zacchaeus, he thought, whoa, he knows me. He's coming to my house. Wow. And he, he, he got out of that tree as fast as he could. He climbed down. I can imagine he was jumping for joy. He's coming to my house. He's coming to my house. He had lost all pride. He'd lost his dignity, lost his arrogance. He's coming to my house. Jesus, come to my house. I'm going to give you my, you can stay in the master suite tonight. You're coming to my house tonight. And so this is, um, he hurried and came down and he received him joyfully. Wow. I wish I saw what that looked like. I wish I could see what that kind of joy looked like. Zacchaeus, I'm sure, was beside himself. Now I have a short quote from Matthew Henry about this. He said, when Christ calls to us, we must make haste to answer his calls. And when he comes to us, we must receive him joyfully. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. We may well receive him joyfully who brings all good along with him. Did you hear with that, with that right there? He's, he brings all good along with him. It's not the blessing that you need. It's the blesser that you need. 
It's not the blessing that you need because the blessing comes with the blesser. Go looking for him down the road. Get your eyes off your problem and get your eyes off Jesus. Get your eyes off your lack, off your sickness, off your financial problem. Get your eyes off of it and put your eyes on Jesus. Receive him joyfully into your house and watch and see what will happen. Yeah, so, so we receive him joyfully. We may receive him joyfully who brings all good along with him. And when he takes possession of the soul, oh yeah, when he takes possession of the soul, Holy Ghost possession of the soul. Oh yeah, we've heard of demon possession. Holy Ghost possession is way more powerful. It's, it's awesome. Holy Ghost possession of the soul. Take possession of my soul. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, follow me and take full reign in my life. Take possession of my inward parts. All of me, God, take possession of my soul. Open springs of joy. <laughs> he opens springs of joy there which shall flow to eternity. How often has Christ said to us, open to me when we have with the spouse made excuses. Zacchaeus' forwardness to receive Christ will shame us. We have not now Christ to entertain in our houses, but we have his disciples. Listen to Matthew Henry. Christ isn't here physically, but we have his disciples now. We have his men and women of God. And what is done to them, he takes as done to himself. Wow. It's powerful. It's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. You know, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking of, you know, welcoming Christ into our home. Your home was given to you for more than just to sleep in. Now, open your home to your neighborhood. Open your home to the gospel. Find someone that knows the Bible better than you and invite them to come teach the Bible in your house. Invite your family and friends to your home. Open your home up as an outreach to your neighborhood. Welcome Christ into your home like, like Zacchaeus did and let your home be a, a tool in the master's hands where Christ can come and, and, and Christ can come and touch your, your neighbor that's going through. You know all kinds of people that are going through troubles and difficulties and hurts and offenses and, and, and lack and, and all kind of stuff. Open your home and invite somebody into your home that knows the word of God from, your, from this church. Let them teach in your home and minister Christ and break the bread and watch and see what happens. I love this story. This, goes, this gets so powerful. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor. Wow, he's probably a multimillionaire. So I'm just going to cut it in half right now. I'm worth about... 30, 40, 50 million dollars, I'll think I'll take the first 25 million and give it to the poor. Wow. That is going to shock Jer Jericho, I promise you. That dude, that's, that stingy old miser, he did what? He built a whole new facility for Mary's song. He just went and did it. He went and brought a check and paid for the whole thing. And then this next part, this, if that didn't get everybody, this one just shocked. He'd, now, if, I, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, he'd defrauded everyone in town. That's how he made his living. I'll restore it fourfold. So can you imagine when, before when Zacchaeus came, if Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, ever came knocking on your door, you were in deep trouble when it got to him. 
Now when he came knocking on your door, it was a whole different story. He came knocking on your door. I'm so sorry I ripped you off. I want to pay you back, and I want to pay you back four times what I stole from you. He took Jerusalem. I mean, Jericho got turned upside down. The stories, no wonder Jesus is laughing. He was, the ramifications of this testimony reverberated all throughout the city. It was the seeds of revival in Jericho. Oh, I'm certain that this was, this was still being talked about. Oh, about probably 50 days or six, maybe, maybe 55 or 60 days later. 55 or 60 days later than this was the day of Pentecost when the power of God began to flow and thousands of people got, started getting saved. Some of the people that got touched as a result of Zacchaeus' testimony were in Jerusalem when the power began to fall. I promise you. And I told a story last week. I'm going to have to tell it again. Um, I told it last Sunday night. For those, just bear with me. I love this story. You have to listen to me repeat it again. I've, I've repeated it. I've heard it myself tell it a hundred times. So just bear with me. But um, when I, the last semester before I got saved that I was in college was in Western Michigan University. And uh, that's where I was going um, before I ended up coming back home and, and getting saved. And the last semester of my school, I used to have this, you know, I was, I was rebellious. I'm sure none of you were. I was rebellious, and I did what I wanted to do. And I used to park in the faculty parking lot every day. And, and every day when I'd come out, there'd be a ticket, a parking ticket on my car, and I'd stick it in my glove compartment. Well, you know, they didn't have the Internet, and they didn't have, you know, it wasn't as connected. And so you could, you could get away with a lot of foolishness back in the 70s. You could never get away with now. And so I just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And at the end of the, at the, end of the semester, I wrapped a rubber band around a big pile of tickets. And I laughed about them, you know. And, and I counted them up and how much it, was, how much it would have been. And I, and I was proud of it. Well, a couple years went by, and I'd gotten saved. And the Lord reminded me of that stack of tickets. And he said, son, I want you to take care of it. And I called and checked into it. I'm trying to remember the number. I think it was... I don't want to exaggerate, so I'm going to go this small. It was, it was worth somewhere between ten dollars and $25,000 worth of tickets after the penalties. And I wrote a letter to the Western Michigan University, to the um, board, told them my testimony, how I'd gotten saved, how I was convicted, and I wanted to pay my debt. Well, it's quiet up in here. <laughs> All kind of stuff's going through your head right now, isn't it? <laughs> well, I wrote the letter. I thought that was under the blood. <laughs> but if you can... <laughs> That's what I thought till the Lord kept knocking on me about it. <laughs> and um, so I wrote the letter, and I was, I was scared because I didn't have $100, much less $10,000 or whatever it was, the amount, the number. And... Um, I got a letter back after several weeks from Western Michigan University. My heart, I, op I opened the letter, started to read it, and it starts off, Dear Brother in Christ, it was from the board of directors, and it said, the guy started sharing, one of the board of directors at Western Michigan University, he said, when your letter came, they gave it to me because I had recently been born again, and they thought that I could relate to this story. And he says, I want to thank you because this gave me the courage to share my faith with the board of directors of the university. And so they said, 
they said, um, we can't find any record of your, of your, your debts, so your debt doesn't exist. You're, you're free from your debts. So I thought, oh my, thank God there was no computers back then. <laughs> But the whole, the, whole, the, whole, the whole blessing of this story is, what was this whole th- event about? It's about testimony. It was about testimony. This man of influence on the board of directors of Western Michigan University was given courage to share his faith in front of the other men on that board because of the testimony of some foolish hippie in California that had gotten saved. Wow. Zacchaeus' story shocked that community. Restitution is powerful. And God will cover you. He will cover you. He will cover you. Salvation had come to this man's house. This man had gotten born again. So now look at the promise Jesus says to him. We're finishing up here. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house since he's also a son of Abraham. Salvation visited not only him, but visited his house. You know, when, when the Lord knows someone and starts working in someone, when he, when he looked up into Zacchaeus' eyes and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I've got to, got to go to your house today. He wasn't just after Zacchaeus. He was after Zacchaeus' household. If you haven't figured it out yet, God works in clusters. He works in clusters. He puts his hand on someone and he uses that someone to be the seed in that family that he's after. I don't know why he does it that way, but he always has. There's blood on the doorpost for the whole house. And if you've been born again, I know I was the first fruits in my family. Maybe you're the first fruits in your family. If so, be of strong faith. You might get persecuted and mocked for a season, but the day is coming when all the the chickens are going to come home to roost and they're going to be born again. They're going to get saved. The chickens are coming. The chickens are coming. (laughs) so so today Jesus said today salvation has come to this house and he said something that they had no way of really understanding Luke recorded it if you know anything about Luke Luke's gospel and the book of Acts were written by Luke and Luke was all about the power of Pentecost all about it and he included this statement He said, today salvation has come to this house. And Jesus said, since he also is a son of Abraham. Now Luke was part of of Paul's life. He was part of his entourage and probably helped him as he was writing his letters. And this is one of the things that Paul said about the blessing of Abraham. Listen to this. In Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles that they might receive the promised spirit through faith. Wow. So Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was given a promise not only for, not only for himself, but a promise that was going to last. God was giving him a promise that was going to last. When God comes to visit your house, it's not just to fix your immediate problem. It's for him to come and live there, to send his spirit into your life and into your heart, and to give you a permanent new access, a new relationship, the promise of the spirit by faith, that we might receive the blessing of Abraham or the promise of the spirit of God by faith. 
to receive this new kind of life, this new way to live our life. Zacchaeus was being changed. There's all sorts of stories. If you go back and read church history, it's said about Zacchaeus, and you know, we won't know till we get to heaven, but, but history says that Peter placed Zacchaeus as the overseer or bishop of the church in Caesarea Philippi years and years later. Who knows if it's true or not? There's a good chance that it was. That's what history says. Man of God. Yeah, God came to live in his house. He got his life sorted out. Now this last verse we want to read and we're going to pray. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, that was the, that was the deal. You've got to come to that place of humility before God to receive anything from the Lord, whether it's that first initial step of faith when you come to Christ, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, or is it that step of faith when you're having marriage problems and you have to humble yourself and say, Lord, be merciful to me, I'm part of the problem. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Or if it's financial problems, instead of blaming everybody else, Lord, I'm part of this problem. I've made, maybe things have happened wrong to me, but, but I've made some stupid decisions. Be merciful to me. Humility. Come to God and ask for forgiveness and ask him to bring, begin to bring his blessing into your life. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. He wants to save you. He wants to save you completely and totally. He wants to save you as far in a spiritual situation eternally that you can be born again and live a, a spiritual life. He wants to save your marriage. He wants to save and make your, your life whole. He wants to make your mind whole, your body whole, your finances whole. He wants to fix your broken life. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Let's stand before the Lord right now. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.